The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome and happy Spring Forward Day. We got a lot going on um, with our worship ministry. Uh, Corey, you may wonder, why, why didn't Corey sing it? Well, he injured his esophagus by swallowing a corn chip and he cut himself. And so Christina's been working with him on how to chew your food, right? <laughs> And uh, we're excited. Uh, also, you know, I told you guys a, a couple months ago that um, we'd be, you know, we, we had some new staff, a new staff member coming, and, and his name is Sean. He's been here before. He's uh, Corey's actually one of Corey's best friends, and uh, he, he will be joining us as our new worship uh, pastor soon. He'll actually be in service with us next week. Not exactly sure what he'll be doing uh, yet, but we're excited about that and thankful for all the leadership Corey has provided. Um, and he's been a, just wonderful. And, and Corey's not going anywhere. We're not letting him leave, so don't worry about that. But uh, we're excited about some changes coming um, and just some new, fresh uh, people coming to join us and help us and advancing uh, the work of the kingdom. So we're in Acts chapter 27. Um, we've been in this kingdom series about a year now. Uh, it takes a while to make it through uh, the book of Acts, but it's been an incredible series. And we come up on, on Acts chapter 27, really cool chapter in the Bible. Uh, should be a lot of fun today, uh, pretty long for me to go through, but it's sort of like looking at uh, some events that happen. And uh, have you seen the movie? It's an older movie, not, not real old, but older, um, Master and Commander. Anybody seen that? I mean, that is a good one, isn't it? I mean, I love that movie. I love those old ships. Those old wooden ships are amazing. And it'd just be amazing to have one of those and, or at least uh, be able to get on one and maybe do some sailing, go and see the world. And so I've always been fascinated by those, and, and uh, today we look and we see a, a story of the Apostle Paul. We know God has told him he's going to Rome, and he's going to testify for the Lord there before Caesar, and so um, we look and we see in this text in chapter 27 that Paul sets sail for Rome. Um, he's had his trial that um, uh, Shay took us through last week, and so now he's, he's appealed to Caesar, and so... Um, they figured out what kind of letters they're going to send along with him, and um, he's appointed to go and sail on to Rome. And so on his voyage, he encounters a storm, and he encounters a shipwreck. Now, it's fascinating to think about the Apostle Paul. I think three times he was shipwrecked. Like, you might want to not get on a ship after the first one, right? But he three times um, he experienced this uh, a violent um, tragedy of uh, just losing a vessel at sea, and he was spared each time. And so when we come on this one and we look and we read the text and we, we see some of the things he's saying, he's got some experience sailing because he's traveled. This is his third missionary journey um, that he's completing. And so as we look at this and we read it, I want you to just kind of imagine um, what it felt like for the Apostle Paul as we look and see how he encounters this storm and, and this shipwreck on this voyage to Rome. And, and we're in uh, chapter 27. It says, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius who, longed, uh, who, who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. And we boarded a ship from the Adramidium about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. 
Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica, was with us. And so there was somebody who went along with Paul. We know this is the guy um, who was uh, brought before the people in the riot back in Ephesus. And since the next day we landed at Sidon, and Julius, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so that uh, so they might provide for his needs. And so Paul had built a relationship with this, this centurion. Uh, they, he was favorable. The, the scripture teaches us as we increase in favor with God, we will also increase in favor with man. And so Paul had built a relationship where this guy trusted him and allowed him uh, some freedom even though he was a prisoner. And it says, uh, from there we put out to sea again and passed to the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra and Lycia. There the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. And we made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Nidus. And when the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete opposite Salmon. And we moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. And so we see they're off course already, but they've found this place that they've been able to, to, to draw some security. And it says that much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the fast. And what he means by that is it's um, late September, and the most dangerous time uh, to sail was between the, uh, this time and, and the middle of October. And it says that, um, so Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be a, uh, disastrous and bring great loss to, the, to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. And so the majority of the people, and you say, well, you know, why wouldn't the owner of the ship made the decision? This was a ship that was contracted to uh, uh, transport grain for Rome. And so the uh, commanding officer would have been this centurion. He had the highest rank, and so he made the call. And so he sought these, this counsel, and, and Paul had his ear uh, because we know that he had gained some trust with him. And Paul's like, we shouldn't go, man. Um, I've been down this road before. And they, they, so he seeks out the counsel the, of the owner of the ship and the, and the captain or pilot, if you will, and they say, no, man, let's, let's go on. And everybody else said, let's go on, man. We want to stay in Phoenix. We don't want to stay here in Fair Havens. Phoenix is a lot better place to spend the winter. And so they all decided by majority to go. And says, so when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster. Some translations call it the Uroquillo. It's called the Northeaster. And, it, and Uroquillo just means that it was both out of the north and the east. So here in the NIV, we have the Northeaster, right? It swept down from the island. And the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. And as we passed um, to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. 
And when the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. This is pretty cool. It's one of the um, most detailed accounts of early shipping that we have and how they would sail, or sailing, I don't know if you call it shipping or sailing, uh, whatever, but, but they, were, they would put these ropes underneath the boat to tie it off and try to hold it together. And it says that, um, fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis, uh, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw um, the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. <laughs> you got to just back up and think about this for a minute, all right? There's no radios. There's no calling in saying, hey, what's the weather going to be like? No weather apps. Um, no compasses. They sailed by just looking at the stars. And so now they're in, in the midst of this storm that is, is pulling them along. They can't see the stars. They can't see anything. It's been dark for them. And they're scared to death, and they've just given up hope. Even Luke, he's writing. He said, man, even I had given up hope. But then it says, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you, would not, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage, because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. The, the centurion is now listening to Paul. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. And they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. And when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes and held the that held the rudders. 
Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. And the bow stuck fast and would not move. And the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping. So one wonders, why would they do that? Because as a soldier, if the prisoner under your care escaped, then you would receive his sentence. And so they were just going to kill them so that they uh, wouldn't receive the sentence that was going to happen to those prisoners. But the centurion, wanting to spare Paul's life, kept them from carrying out their plan. And he ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest um, were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land in safety. And so next week, we'll kind of look and see how they landed. But this week, we just see this incredible story of this shipwreck. And, and we see this, um, this, this storm, okay? So here's the deal when it comes to storms. And we use this to kind of teach uh, the storms of life. There are storms that we all face from different times. And these storms, sometimes God brings. Sometimes God will allow a storm to come into your life, and it will help to shape your character. Um, and, and, and then sometimes there are storms um, that uh, we bring on ourselves. Because of the decisions that we make, we sail straight into a storm. And then at other times, there are storms that we find ourselves in the midst in because of someone else's um, decisions. So these are the three types of storms that we face. And you may be in one today. You may be right in the midst of a storm that someone else caused. You may be in the midst of a storm that you are responsible for yourself. Or you may be in a storm um, that God has allowed to happen in your life to shape you. For, uh, certainly the best one to be in is the one that, that the Lord has brought and designed to shape uh, your character. But no doubt this one for Paul is one that is brought on by other people. And so when we look at this text, what I want to do is I'm going to share quite a bit of uh, principles, several principles with you today, and, and teach uh, on how we sail into storms. Like if it's a storm that we brought about ourselves, how in the world do we do, like how does that happen? And then we're going to look at um, the dangers. Like once, once we're in the storm, what are the dangers that happen in the midst of it? And then finally, what do we do if we're in the middle of a storm? So if you're in the middle of a storm today, be encouraged. The Lord knew that you needed to hear this message and was ensuring that you were going to be here. And he was going to tell you exactly what you need to do right now in the midst of your storm. And maybe you're facing an incredible decision right now and you don't know what to do on how to uh, make that decision. And, and there'll be some principles that we could talk about how to sail around a storm that you can um, practice in your life. So I think that anytime you're facing a major decision, um, like I, don't, I shouldn't say anytime you're facing a major decision, we're always facing decisions. You should just say this is how you should live your life. You should live your life in such a way that you're sailing around storms, not willingly sailing straight into them. And so let's start with how do we sail into storms? Well, here we see from the text on the what happened with these guys. First of all, if you want to ensure that you sail straight into a storm, just ignore godly counsel. When someone gives you some godly counsel and you know they're a righteous person and you know there's something different about them, you can sense the spirit of God and the hand of God on their life, then you just ignore what it is that they counsel you to do. Paul warned them. He said, we're going to suffer loss. I've been down this road before. I've sailed this journey before. And I have, a, I have an impression. This is what I think was happening with Paul. I think the Lord was impressing upon him. It wasn't a good idea. He had zero peace about making this journey. And so he's trying to talk them out of it. And here's what we need to know when it comes to choices. Every 
godly choice. Every godly choice always has an ungodly alternative. It's always there. And the great variable between that godly choice and that ungodly alternative is us. We get to choose. We get to choose whether or not we're going to make a godly choice and listen to the counsel that God has provided around us. And how does God provide that counsel? Well, there are a multitude of ways. He provides it through, I think that right now there's some counsel coming. Like God's using the word itself as I preach and proclaim it to you, that there's counsel coming from it. God will use other believers who are following him to bring godly counsel into our lives. The scripture says there's a, multitude, or there's a wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So when we're making decisions, we want to seek out counsel. What kind of counsel do we want to seek out? People that we know have a rich, deep, intimate relationship with the Lord. People who are following the Lord. Why? Because the Lord can impress upon them things um, that, will, uh, that, that, that we may not see. And the Lord can use the power of the Holy Spirit to give one the gift of discernment. It is a spiritual gift to have discernment and recognize things uh, about you. And, and, and you can recognize things about me. This is why it's so important for us to walk together in the body of Christ. That's what makes the church so powerful and that we're to be in relationship with each other is that we can help each other. We can provide godly counsel for one another. And so we need to understand how important it is that we make choices based upon um, godly counsel and what the Lord is doing in our lives. Another way that we can get godly counsel is through the power of the Holy Spirit himself. And how do, how do we get counsel from the Spirit? Well, the Spirit of God lives in us if we know him and his job is to help us to understand the word. He turns the lights on for the word for us. And so as we spend time in the word and we're reading and we're trying to hear what the Lord may have for us in a particular passage of scripture, as we're reading through it, then the Lord can show us things. He can, he can give us godly counsel. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. Um, the, the Bible is very clear on that. Jesus says that his sheep know his voice. They hear him and they follow him. Well, how do we, how do we know his voice? Does he, is this something audible that we hear? Absolutely not. It is, a, it is an inner um, prompting that comes from the Holy Spirit where the Lord uses all of these things around us um, to minister to us. And so the encouragement that I have for you today to avoid sailing straight into a storm is never ignore godly counsel. And so one might ask, well, why would a person why would a believer ignore godly counsel? Here's the second one. You elevate comfort above counsel. And so the reason that we ignore counsel is because we're more concerned about our comfort than we are the counsel. If we look at these guys, they didn't want to spend the winter in the harbor that they were in. They didn't want to stay at Fair Havens. They wanted to go to Phoenix. Guess what we know about Phoenix? It has a very moderate climate year-round. <laughs> they wanted to go to Cancun, man. They didn't want to stay in Fair Havens. Fair Havens was going to be uncomfortable. Probably didn't have as many people in it. Probably weren't as many things to do. And all of those sailors and everybody else was thinking, man, I don't want to spend the whole winter here. Let's at least go to Phoenix where we can have a good time. And so they were worried about their comfort as opposed to the counsel they, they received. And so any time uh, that we do that, and, and we ignore counsel from, from that the Lord has provided, I think it generally has to do with our comfort. Like the Lord may say to us, and, 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 and through other people and through godly counsel, he may speak into the relationships we're in. 
And as he speaks into that, and we hear that godly counsel, we know that if we heed that godly counsel, it's going to make us uncomfortable to walk away from that relationship because we're going to be lonely. And we'd rather be in Phoenix than Fair Havens. Okay? Like the Lord, Lord, the Lord is saying to us, listen, I'm not concerned about your comfort. I'm concerned about your spiritual health. I'm concerned about how you live an abundant life. And so that's one way that we might be concerned about our comfort over the godly counsel that we uh, receive. When we seek to be comfortable and cozy, we are asking for a storm. That's one of the reasons we are committed to discipleship here is not allowing people to come and be in a church where you can just be comfortable and cozy all the time. There are plenty of churches where you could do that. There are churches within a, a half a mile of this church right now that you could go and you could be comfortable and cozy. And I'm not saying they're bad churches, okay? I used to pastor one that would allow you to be comfortable and cozy. The only discomfort that you received was what you received from the pulpit. But we're not, we're not walking down that road anymore. We're trying to help people see, man, like if you are going to follow Jesus, it means that you be moving and following him because he is moving and he wants you to be right behind him. And you're not going to be able to be comfortable and cozy if you, uh, or, or he will not allow you to stay comfortable and cozy because you will never grow. You will never become the person that he wants you to be and achieve the things that he wants you to achieve if you keep yourself in a, a comfortable and cozy uh, place. And so uh, what we want to know is, man, I don't want to elevate comfort over the godly counsel that I'm receiving in my life. Here's the third way um, that we sail straight into storms. We obtain what we want to justify our decisions, okay? It says that a gentle south, that man, they were like, man, we need to go to Phoenix. And Paul's like, man, we need to stay right here in Fair Havens. They decide that they want to go to Phoenix. And so they're sitting down and they're waiting and they're just waiting for the right opportunity. And here came a, a gentle uh, breeze that, that blew up. And as that gentle south wind blew, they said, it is the Lord. No, it wasn't. It is your desire. You ignored what the Lord said. You can always find something to make you think that you're making the right decision. Notice that the text says they thought they obtained what they wanted. Your feelings will always betray you, and you can always find somebody to say something to justify the decision that you want to make. And you will think you have obtained what you wanted, but you're only sailing straight into a storm because you chose to ignore the guidance of God. And so it's very, very important for us to realize um, that feelings will betray us. And that's why it's important to be in the word. That's why it's important to have people around us who will give us godly counsel. When we sail into a storm, okay, all right, so we, we've all done this, all right? I, I've certainly sailed into storms in my life, but I've learned from experience that it is not pleasurable and I don't want to do it anymore. And so I do everything that I can to try to listen to where the Lord is leading me. But the fact of the matter is, is that sometimes we make mistakes. We, well, I don't even want to say we make mistakes. We sin. We ignore God. We rebel from what he says that he wants us to do. And when we do that, we find ourselves in very dangerous territory. So here are three dangers of sailing into a storm. First of all, storms cause you to drift. Verses 15 and 17 says they gave way and they were just driven along. Like the storm took over, man. The storm was the one that was moving them in any direction that it wanted to take them. And so we, we, when we think of what's going on here, it's so dark that they cannot navigate. 
and, and they, they have to go wherever the storm takes them. Wherever the wind blows is where they were going to end up. They forgot their values, or we forget our values in the midst of, of a storm sometimes. Things start blowing out of control, and we panic, and we quit making the right kinds of decisions. And when that happens, we just get deeper and deeper lost in the midst of the storm. We don't know where we're headed. And so one of the dangers of sailing into a storm is that it causes you to drift. Here's the second danger. It causes you to discard. Verse 18 says they started tossing the cargo overboard. I mean, it's throwing stuff out of the ship. Man, we're taking on water. The ship is going down. Get this stuff out of here. Get this out of here. Get that out of there. And they just kept throwing things away until ultimately they even had to throw the very thing that was going to earn the ship's money uh, for all of those who were part of it. And they discarded things. And so what happens when we get in the midst of the storm is uh, often we, we give up and it causes us to toss out our dreams it causes us to toss our values overboard. And, and, and most importantly, this is what I see happening a lot. It causes us to toss people overboard. person gets in the midst of a storm. They've ignored godly counsel. Now they're panicking. And, and a lot of times what they will do is I, I, they, the last person they want to talk to is me, the pastor. <laughs> you know, they're distancing themselves. They're trying to figure this out. You know why they want to talk to the pastor? Because they know what the pastor is going to say because they've already heard it one time. They've ignored the godly counsel. Okay, so we toss relationships over. Sometimes we get in the midst of a storm, and the storm could be in the midst of a marriage, and, 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 and things start falling apart because of uh, some storm that has happened in our, in our marriage, and instead of sailing through it and waiting for the Lord to bring us through it, we just toss the relationship out. And that's the danger of sailing into a storm. Um, we toss relationships with friends out. We get in the midst of a storm, and, and now the communication has been disrupted, and there's conflict in the midst of a, a friend or a neighbor, and instead of allowing God to work us through that, we just throw the relationship overboard, and that's what happens. That's the danger of not listening to the Lord and following how he uh, 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 desires for us to walk is that we find ourselves discarding some very important things in our life. The third danger is it causes you to despair. Verse 20 says, they gave up hope of being saved. They just gave up hope, man. The last thing to go is hope. And what, are they, what happened is they forgot the Lord was in control. And when hope goes, man, it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible thing, all right? And the beauty of it is, is finally when our hope goes, our human hope, then we're ready to listen to the Lord. Okay, that's why the Lord sometimes will allow storms and use storms is because we won't listen and he gets us into a place where finally we will listen. As a matter of fact, the thing that turned my life totally around was a, was a violent storm. It in, impacted my life and, and it hurt me. And I lost a lot of things and I was in a place of despair. And the Lord took that place of despair and I was finally ready to hear the truth that he wanted to share with me. And that's when he taught me how much he loved me and totally shifted my life, brought me out of the storm. And thank God that he did not allow, thank God he did not allow me to do the things that I was wanting to do because my life would have been a mess had I been able to um, go the course that I thought he was calling me into. So we see, man, whoa. Like, I see how we get in them, and I see what happens when we're in them. They're dangerous. You may be going, geez, man, I'm in a storm right now. What do I do? Um, well, it's very simple. In the midst of a storm, you drop four anchors. 
That's what it says. In verse 29, it says, Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. You know what Hebrews says? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says, Hope is the anchor of the soul. So they had lost hope, and hope is the very anchor for who we are on the inside. Now, what we do in the midst of a storm is we do what Paul did. We just live like Paul lived, and we, we practice what Paul was doing. It's fascinating here, um, the, the difference between Paul and Jonah and this shipwreck and this, this storm at sea. And, and we see that Paul was following the Lord and Jonah was not, but we see what Paul was doing in the midst of it. What do we see? Uh, the four anchors that he drops in his life, okay, are presents. Verse 23 says, I heard from the Lord and he is with us. Everybody else had lost all hope and he's like, no man, the Lord is with us. And so that's one thing you got to do in the midst of a storm is you got to realize and recognize the Lord is with you. And that is what will help you navigate and come out of the storm is, is the assurance that the Lord is in the midst of it. When you can't see the stars and you can't see the moon and you can't see the sun and everything feels like darkness, that's the time to draw near toward the light of the world, Okay. And so he is present. Here's the second anchor, is purpose. Verse 24, he says, don't be afraid. The Lord told me, don't be afraid. You will testify before Caesar. He said, I got a purpose in my life. There is a calling on my life. The Lord said that I will testify before Caesar. And there's nothing that's going to happen to me until I fulfill everything the Lord says I will fulfill. Now, that's the beauty of following the Lord is we have this assurance that he has a purpose for our lives, and nothing can happen to us. Man, I, <laughs> my heart has been kind of heavy the last couple of days. My uncle passed away. Um, he, he's a, the person I'm named after, my dad's uh, sister's husband, really tight with all my family. And so my uncle Jimmy passed away. Now, when somebody in, in the Holbrook family passes away, I get a call. Like, <laughs> Uh, sometimes I'm doing extended families, funerals that, that I don't know very well, distant cousins, and they want me to do the funeral. And then what I've noticed over the past few years, man, it's getting tighter and tighter. I buried my dad. I buried my grandparents. I buried my brother. I buried first cousins. And I'm going to bury uh, an uncle, okay? I'm 50 years old. <laughs> and, and I look at my life, and, and I'm like, man... I don't have much time left. Like, we don't have a lot of time to live. And a lot of you have a lot less time than I do. And it's so vitally important that we understand the purpose that the Lord has for us. Is that when we're living out that purpose, and, the, and those of you who are young men, if there's one thing that I look back on my life, I'm so thankful for is that the Lord straightened my life out and called me at, at the age of 22. So I've lived, I've lived for the Lord longer than I have not lived with, for him. And that, man, I, I look back and, and think about all of the mistakes I, I would have made, but just because I understood the Lord had a purpose for my life, he had a calling on my life, that, 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 that it's brought so much meaning to me. And so when, I, when, you, when you get heavy like this, man, and you go, man, you know, people are dying all around me, people that I grew up with, people that are close to me. Now I'm going to die. <laughs> You're going to die. And we go, 
That's kind of discouraging, isn't it? I don't want to die. Do you want to die? I'll take that as a no. (laughs) But when I stop to think about what Paul's saying here, there's nothing going to happen to me until the Lord is done with me. I may live to be 100. I may not live till the end of next week. But I will fulfill all of the purpose that the Lord has for me. And so I don't have to go around worrying about that. I don't have to be heavy about that. I don't have to be discouraged about that, man. The Lord has a plan for my life. And I'm enjoying myself. And he's going to allow me to fulfill that plan and that purpose that he has laid out for me. And that's why it is so important in the midst of a storm is to look at, man, what is the purpose of God for my life? And, and you might find yourself that you're constantly in, in turmoil. You, you, you constantly feel like, man, I, I get out of one storm and I sail right into another one. And I get out of that one and I get in another one. What's going on? Maybe you haven't paused long enough to figure out what the purpose of God is in your life. Maybe you're still living for your purposes. And that's why you keep sailing into storms. And so it's important for us to realize that in the midst of a storm, we ought to only recognize the presence of God, that he is there, but that he has a purpose for my life. And here's the third one. There's a promise. He says in verse 25, keep your courage. I have faith and believe in God. Okay, so he's like, there's a promise from the Lord that I can bank on. And there are promises from the Lord that all of us can bank on. I've banked on them um, all, most of my life. And the Lord is faithful. He just keeps coming through. He just keeps taking care of me. He just keeps leading me as I rely on the promises of God. And then finally and most importantly is prayer. It says in verse 29, they prayed for daylight. You wait in the midst of the Lord or in the midst of the storm for the Lord to move. Sometimes that's what they did, man. They couldn't see anything. They could hear that the waves were crashing up against the shore, so they knew they were close. They took soundings, 120. Oh my, it's already dropped to 90. We're only 90 feet deep now. As they're dropping this rope and figuring out how deep it is, they know that they may run right into some rocks and all perish because if you're pounded up by rough, the rough seas against the rocks, Man, that's a dangerous place to be. So what they do, they drop the anchors until they could see, okay? And and so what we got to do is we got to realize in the midst of the storm when we can't see is just be still and talk to the Lord and wait. Wait for what? Daylight so that you can see what is next. Quit moving. If you keep moving in the midst of the storm, you're liable just to be still stuck in it for a good long time because it's carrying you along as opposed to allowing you to see the land where the Lord wants you um, to rest. And so that brings us as, as, Corey, come on up. That brings us to, to the big idea. And this is really what I want you to take away, okay? It's easier to sail through life when you choose to listen to truth before you're in trouble. Like you don't... The Lord, like, sometimes for us to learn how to listen to truth, we need to get in trouble. But once we learn how to listen to truth, we, we can listen to it. And the Lord will help us as we listen to the truth that he is revealing in our lives. He will help us to navigate around storms. We will all face storms caused by the Lord and others. There's no doubt about that. But there is no need for us to create our own storms. And I think that's probably where the bulk of people who are, are, are believers, if you're not following the Lord and, and you're experiencing a lot of turmoil in your life, I think the bulk of those storms are probably caused by ourselves as a lack of listening 
to the Holy Spirit and where he's guiding us. And so I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know who's in a storm today. Um, like, like, I hurt for you. Like, I could look at your life and go, man, that, that's tough um, to be in the midst of a storm. I've sailed into one before, and I know what it's like to not, not be able to sleep, not have an appetite. You just worry a lot. Um, and so, like, I can, I can empathize with that. I hurt with you. But I want you, to, I want you to hear me today, all right, as your pastor. I'm thankful that you're in a storm right now. I'm thankful. Why am I thankful? It's because you're gonna, uh, you, you can listen to the Lord clearly then. Like I can look back at all the storms in my life, okay? Some of them caused by me, some of them caused by others. Some of them the Lord just allowing. I look back on them, and I don't ever want to sail back into that storm again. But I can look at that storm and go, man, I'm, I'm thankful for that storm. It's done things in my life that there are things I learned that, that I never could have learned without that storm. And so that's why I'm thankful that you're in the midst of it because as C.S. Lewis says, the Lord whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. Like the Lord, would, he would just scream at us and we, we can hear him so clearly. So if you're there today, like I, I don't want you to stay there. Just like you don't want to stay there. It's a miserable place to be. But it's also a very... Um, powerful place to be as the Lord can start shaping and molding and he can start teaching you about his presence. He can start teaching you about the purpose he has for you. He can start teaching you about the promise and the most importantly, he can teach you how to pray. You will learn how to talk to him in the midst of a storm because you know without him, you're not going to make it. And so I want to encourage you today if that's where you're at. Be of good courage, man. I believe God. And he, he, like, he has given us the Holy Spirit to, for us to walk through this life. So those little girls, man, they're getting baptized today and they're confessing their faith. Like I, I, I pulled them into the office, man. I wanted to talk to each one of them. I said, tell me why you want to be baptized. Man, they're just taking me through. It's like, man, I understand sin. I'm simplifying it, all right? I'm talking to you little girls, but they they understood sin. They, they understood there's nothing you can do about sin, and they understood that Jesus came to help them with that sin and to take it away. And then they wanted to give their allegiance to the Lord because they believe that the Lord will lead them all the days of their lives. And that's what he will do. Like That's what he does. They said, so why is it so hard for us to follow him? Because there's an enemy that doesn't want you to give your glory, that glory all to the Lord. He wants to, to get it for himself. And anytime he can get you to focus on yourself instead of the Savior, then what happens is he's robbing God of his glory. And so I want to encourage you today, man, like if, if you're in a difficult place, just drop your anchors and wait on the Lord. because He's, he's coming. Daylight is coming. And you will, in time, be able to see what the next move is in your life. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Just give you a moment to pray. Just kind of reflect a little bit on the word. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.